So up next is Kale. Kale is a journalist from America, and although he's traveled to many different countries around the world, it's his time spent in China learning Mandarin, which really made him want to get to know the country even better. And so that's what he's been doing, living here in China for the past few years and working for Chinese media agencies. So tune in. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories. Whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. All right, hello, listeners. Thank you for returning to the Are We Home Yet podcast. So today I'm pleased to have with me Kale. And hey, Kale, how are you? Hi, uh, it's good to be on the show. I'm doing well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. So, Kale, where do you currently live and how long have you lived there? Uh, well, I live in Beijing, China, and I've been here for almost three years now. Okay. And so uh, where did you move from before and how long did you live there? I originally uh, was living in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and that was probably there for not probably I was definitely there for about uh, several years on and off I was in between New York and Washington DC and Maryland mm-hmm. um, but he is where I was living the longest that's where my parents and some other family are based and so I uh, just had like an itch to travel abroad and jump on a plane and I chose China Okay, cool. And so um, what's it like, even though like I had lived in Beijing, but still for the listeners, tell us your experience. What's it like living in Beijing, China? Tell us about the food, the experience, the the culture, the people, like tell us. It's next level. Um, <laughs> Beijing, <laughs> it's like, a, it's such an amazing city because you you land here, you you get off the plane, right? And my first impression of Beijing was so I originally I came here in 2013 briefly as a student but um what I had returned of course to live here in 2019 and the whole time um or both times rather I I gotta say like you land it just feels like you kind of landed in, into the future because you know <laughs> you have everything like uh like tv screens out in public when you're walking around and uh, e-payment no one uses their wallets to pay for anything mm-hmm. um, so I kind of felt like a fry from uh, Futurama <laughs> like on the first episode where he's like tragically frozen and wakes up in the year 3000 yeah um, so I, I was kind of like uh, you know a little bit it was it was a lot to get used to actually at first but like what really helps is that it's a magnet for people all around China and of course around the world it's a very global city so you have so many people here from everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, so they're kind of exploring the city along with you. And like wherever you go in Beijing, you can find food from all over China. You can find Sichuanese food. You can find 
food from Dongbei. You can find dim sum. There's a 24 hour place right where I live. Um, and you can even, you know, find lots of international options like Mexican food and like one place that I always love going, like uh, this little, uh, Malaysian place <laughs> in the Hutongs where I live. And that's another thing too. Beijing is like a mix of like the old and like the new. So I said it was very futuristic, mm-hmm. but I live in an apartment that was like, you know, built during the, the Qing dynasty. <laughs> so, um, it's it's a nice little city to like have a taste of I guess the world of tomorrow, but also like traditional China, which uh, is super great for me because like I love history and I love you know being surrounded by history. Mm-hmm. And this city is full of it. So okay, cool. And so you mentioned um, you know when you had studied abroad, like what did you study abroad and um. Yeah, and 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 was that was that then a deciding factor to come to China again? It definitely was. I had studied Chinese. I took a Mandarin language immersion program mm-hmm. in 2013 at a university called uh, the University of International Business and Economics, or in Chinese, Duiwai Jingmao. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was in China for three months. Went to, I was in Beijing, of course, and I also visited Xi'an and mm-hmm. Ningbo and Chengdu and just fell in love with like how like vibrant, like almost each city was and how, you know, especially um, to my kind of surprise, how open like a lot of places in China are. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of times, like, you know, for American listeners uh, and maybe for others as well, it might be like, a, you know, daunting to think about China, living in China, you know, the way life is kind of reported um, there. But like, coming to China when I was a college student and seeing like so many different people, like just taking the train throughout the country, the high speed rail, it was like, wow, this is like interesting to meet strangers who are like, so like, um, you know, like more, uh, they have so many interesting stories that I never would have um thought about if I hadn't traveled so I wanted to experience more of that and I also wanted to get paid doing it so I found the job (laughs) came here in 2019 okay and so let's you know move on to the next question you mentioned job what is your career profession and how did you get into that field I am a journalist and I got into this field I I always joke with people that I was tricked by my older sister (laughs) Um, she's also a journalist and she was like, Hey, you do reporting at your college newspaper. You should do news. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I don't know. She was like, come on, do news. Like, come on, go to journalism school. So I went to journalism school. I applied, didn't think I would get in, but I got in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how much I really wasn't, you know, I didn't necessarily have journalism on my radar as a full-time career, mm-hmm. but, um, I ended up graduating in 2017 and I had this, uh, I guess, itch to do like network news or like, I guess, international news. And I worked at my uh, sister's, uh, my sister worked at a local CBS station. So I was a producer there, mm-hmm. um, did that for about a year. And then I went to um, DC and there. I also uh, did producing and a little bit of reporting as well. 
mm-hmm. um, for network news, but I still had like a, um, you know, burning passion to kind of travel, come back to China, not just China, like traveled like Asia and like, you know, even like Africa and Europe uh, more extensively as well. So I was like, you know, China is a good place to be based to do that. And of course, you know, China is a place, as I was mentioning before, where there's kind of a deficit of, I think, interesting stories mm-hmm. being told about China in the English language. So I was looking to find a job in journalism uh, here in Beijing, uh, the news capital of China. And I found one much to my joy because I was like kind of nervous whether it was going to be possible. The visa process took forever, mm-hmm. but um, it was totally worth it because, you know, three years and I'm, you know, pretty settled in Beijing. It's probably the first city I've ever been settled in. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and now I work for CGTN. I'm doing, you know, different editing, reporting and other news stuff for China Global Television Network. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to go back to like, um, when you did the Chinese immersion program, was that the only language immersion program you did as a college university student or did you do any others? Yeah, that was the only one. I, I've always been interested in learning languages uh, just because, you know, it's like a, um, someone who likes uh, traveling, you know, it's, it's comes in handy to, you know, talk like the people <laughs> we are visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've uh, I've learned Spanish, Arabic. Uh, I've dabbled a little bit in Russian as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not to not too much success. Um, I've learned Korean, but uh, Chinese is the language I've probably uh, have uh, spent the most time and energy learning and becoming fluent. Um, kind of, you know, viewing like my like. Uh, my long-term goals to at least live five years or more in China. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And so what, what was it like this uh, language immersion program in China? Like, um, you know, how, I mean, explain like how, how difficult was it? How, I mean, you know, you're living here. So, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm assuming like that made it a little bit easier. I'm assuming you also learned how to read as well. So, you know, what, like what helped you like remember the characters like yeah yeah it was um so one thing that helped was there was a language pledge so the tuesday you know back those many years ago like the tuesday that i got to beijing i had to only speak in mandarin we were only really allowed to speak our native languages if we like were calling our parents you know from time to time Okay. So like in the dorm rooms, like in, you know, in class, in, anywhere in Beijing, anywhere we went to, like even if we went to Shanghai for the weekend, we were only supposed to speak Chinese. And so mm-hmm. that was very, very hard at first. Like I remember like the first week, just kind of feeling that I had the vocabulary of like a, of like a three-year-old that wasn't really <laughs> yeah. to, like communicate like freely about like things that I could obviously like you know say in english but i, I couldn't really express in chinese but um the um, that language pledge and the fact that of course i was like just talking to various other people like my classmates like the you know cleaning staff of my dorm um the reception people like everyone like the fact that i was like speaking so much mm-hmm. uh after i want to say 
really like a week and a half or maybe two weeks it felt seamless and i was just kind of like you know not really of course expressing myself about like complicated things like i wasn't talking about like you know philosophy or physics but i was able to you know i could talk to somebody about oh this is what i saw last night at the movies and you know this is where my family lives back home and i was able to kind of have some cool interesting conversation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay Let's take a quick break. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you share, subscribe, download, rate, review the podcast, and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in Are We Home Yet Podcast and Twitter by typing in Are We Home Yet Pod, where we share resources, you can interact with our guest, and you have a chance to tell your story as a former, current, or future expat. And of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the arewehomeyetpodcast.com website as well. Okay, now back to the show. And so, you know, speaking about like you're working for CGTN, so you've worked at and continue to work for Chinese media agencies. So was it hard breaking into those agencies like as an outsider? You know, I'm assuming like, you know, your ability to speak Mandarin made it easier. But, you know, what was that like being a foreigner saying, you know, hey, guys, you know, I want to work here. And, you know, like, I mean, what 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 is that? What is that like workplace dynamic like? Like, I'm assuming that you continue to speak in Mandarin with your coworkers. You know, tell us what what you can. Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting because when I first, uh, I was working at the People's Daily Building when I first came to to work in China. And that experience was quite a culture shock in some respects, but also a little bit refreshing because like my team, my my direct coworkers were very, very uh, willing to kind of help me understand China. They helped set me up with like e-payment and like, you know, the delivery apps, which are so Mm -hmm. um, common in the country. Mm-hmm. and when I left that job they took me out for hot pot and so like you know even with like some of the culture shocks of like oh like this is how you know news operates in China I was able to kind of understand it and also um, have pr- pretty friendly coworkers to help me navigate all that and then when I went to CGTN like uh, yeah I, I you know speak in Chinese with like my colleagues and that actually kind of helps me because I have a uh, bit more of a rapport with them mm-hmm. uh than say other uh you know foreign staff who might not speak the language and so I'm able to kind of get things done more quickly and kind of um have like a lot of good faith uh you know partnerships like with a lot of my colleagues and so that makes like the job a, a lot more enjoyable and it also makes it kind of more funny too because I'm clued in and like uh all the you know both both Chinese and English language uh, talk of the talk of the workplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Um, and yeah, like it's also kind of nice because CGTN is a very international uh, um, workplace. Like there's staff from Syria, from United States, from the Philippines, from Iran. So it's actually like a very global company, uh, is one might expect from China and global television network. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And so you've lived here a while and you mentioned being settled. So, you know, what, well, first I'll ask you, what's your definition of home? Do you feel you've been able to create a sense of home here? Um, You know, you you hope to stay here for like five years um, or a little bit more. And uh, so do you feel you've been able to create a sense of home here? And if not, you know, like what, what is lacking or, or what is needed for your future place that you live that, you know, would be able to help you create a sense of home? Yeah, well, I I guess I define home as wherever you feel um, you belong, no matter where you live, you know, there's always like uncertainty and, you know, or I guess some kind of newness, or maybe if you've never moved, there's like, you know, uh, like lots of like uh, different challenges, right? But um, if you can just like look around you and you know understand that yeah like you're here and it's things are generally working and you're able to like be your best self uh and like the place you are is not only you know stopping you from being your best self but also maybe even like encouraging you to be mm-hmm. i feel like that's that's home and um beijing for me it's like a place where like at first um when i moved here uh to work i didn't quite feel rooted and i didn't know if i would ever feel rooted and then like the covid-19 pandemic happened mm-hmm. and after that like, that was like a really uncertain time but uh just you know from moving from friend group to friend group and then kind of finding my uh hobbies like i do stand up comedy i also am involved in like environmental advocacy and you know other things and um i kind of enjoy hiking which is like a very beijing oriented uh (laughs) hobby because like you know there's so many cool mountains and trails around the city Mm -hmm. um and also you know traveling to different cities which beijing is like a a great focal place to do like after doing all of that for a long time like i've come to the conclusion that beijing is a nice place to be settled because like it's kind of you know um metaphorically the center of china and uh it gives me a full vantage point of like being able to immerse myself in the culture while also having a very international um almost kind of whole like a you know for me like the united states kind of trapping if you will because like i feel like living in beijing uh especially like in my neighborhood it's like brooklyn <laughs> but like you know it's in china but i say that not to say like you know there's like American cultural imperialism everywhere, but mm. more so to say that like, no matter where you come from in the world or, you know, any part of China, Beijing has a part of that. Like, like I was saying before, Beijing has food from everywhere, everywhere in China. Um, Beijing also has food from almost everywhere in the world, right? So if you come here, if you're from Iran, if you're from South Africa, you're going to find a slice of that here. And that international nature of the city combined with like how easy it is to just do so many immersive things about Chinese culture from like mm-hmm. tea ceremonies to history museums like that really makes me want to like live here for five years or more 10 20 mm-hmm. <laughs> um and also I want to say like what Beijing might lack for me at the current moment is I'm looking kind of at my future and you know whether I can go home again i guess like finding 
a way it's it's not really about Beijing. It's more so finding a way out of the COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> um, if I could travel to, I guess, the you know the United States a little bit more often, I'd probably stay here for a very very long time. Um, but you know, like the future, I kind of plan only a year ahead, and for twenty twenty two, I generally have a good vibe of mm-hmm. you know. Um, just kind of chilling in Beijing, and I want to continue that as long as possible. So, uh, Beijing's on my radar for as long as I can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, all right. So, let me ask a few more questions. Do you remember what your visa process was like coming over? Yeah. So, my visa process was. In a word, mm-hmm. stressful. <laughs> oh, okay. I essentially came to the conclusion while I was trying to get my uh, work visa that once I got to China, I was going to stay here for as long as possible mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. because um, I wanted it to be like, worth all the hassle. And in a funny way, I, I kind of had that um, just kind of end up being the case, <laughs> you know, with uh, me just settling into Beijing and finding myself here, especially like, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic. But um, the visa process was, first of all, I I have to say like my case was really strange in that I, you know, as as I discussed earlier, I I wanted to come to China as a journalist because that was my last two jobs in America were working in journalism. That's what I went to school for. But I think that my particular visa case was interesting because it happened during a time when there was like a lot of staff shortages happening, I think in both embassies around China and the United States for like, you know, both applicants, whether you were applying for a visa one way or the other, mm-hmm. or citizens of both countries. And it was uh, also my visa was for a job <laughs> at the Global Times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like uh, the process was long. Like the first thing I had to do is make sure that my job sent me all the things I needed. I had all the documents I needed from them. And then also I needed to essentially go up to Columbia University (laughs) to get my diploma authenticated. Because for those who don't know, if you have a Z visa, it's kind of like, you know, they want you to do the whole nine yards and just kind of make sure your background check with the police is done, your you know, uh, education is up to code, etc. So uh, I was like essentially just running around the country, <laughs> going back to New York to get my visa, going to the Fairfax County Police Station, mm-hmm. uh, going to the department. It was crazy because uh, the State Department in Washington, D.C. is only open for uh, visa authentication purposes. It's only open in a particular time frame, like on mm. a Tuesday morning, uh, yeah. you know, only hours. And so it's a really tight window. So I had to yeah. make sure I got to early. And then on top of that, um, it's kind of funny. I actually met a community of people who were also getting their, uh, you know, waiting their visa approvals. So that was mm-hmm. kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the craziest part was when I had to go to the DC courts and get my background check at Fairfax County police records authenticated because that I needed like a federal government or I guess the DC 
reports would have sufficed for my police check certification. So mm-hmm. that was interesting because the, the DC courts told me that my police background check was fine, but my diploma <laughs> had some issues because it wasn't stamped right. So I had to go essentially to several offices in DC to get stamped. And this is not even concerning uh, the Chinese embassy in Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C., which I had to go to, I think, four times, which Mm -hmm. is is actually not that much. But, like, uh, I mean, for people who don't live in D.C., I can only imagine how that would be a hassle. Of course, there's embassies and consulates throughout the country. Mm -hmm. But, like, uh, even living in D.C. was kind of a... Uh, it, it was a, it was a bit of a hustle, <laughs> but luckily, like my dad supported me the whole way, and uh, my HR was patient. Like I was initially supposed to come to China in August of 2019, mm-hmm. but because of the whole visa process, I didn't make it here until October. Mm-hmm. So then, when you were going through all that, I mean, I, I'm sure at some point you were like, "Is is this even going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like uh, I was with my, uh, I was talking to my sister like in September of mm-hmm. 2019. Like, will I make it to China? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even know. Um, and to be honest, like, I kind of didn't care if it happened or not. I just mm-hmm. wanted to do it to prove I could get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I get the visa, even if I don't make it to China. But um, I, I will say though that uh, the importance of doing it right mm-hmm. is so worth it mm-hmm. if I kind of like cut corners like you know th- there's like I've had so many friends who they got their visa like in ways that weren't necessarily like proper or through the I guess most legitimate channels and as a result they haven't been able to really stay in China for as long as they wanted to so yeah uh, it's it takes you know a lot and sometimes you're even wondering if you really even want to come to China, but like mm-hmm. once you're here, it's it's totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree with that. Okay, so then let me ask you, you know, okay, so you're here and you know, you you've worked, you know, it's at, at several places. What what's your day to day like? Like, you know, Monday through Friday, weekend, what what's your what's your average day like? My average day, it, it definitely varies mm-hmm. uh from day to day uh at cgtn i work on a interesting schedule i work four days a week mm-hmm. and uh of course three days is three days a week off mm-hmm. and the thing about it though is it's kind of um the schedule changes from week to week and you can make requests based on you know whatever you have going on in your life whatever uh, is happening. I can ask my supervisor to accommodate my schedule. Mm-hmm. So um, I prefer to work late. Uh, I work on a show called China 24. And uh, that show allows me to kind of do like a lot of my other creative pursuits in the mornings. And I can also work on it after I get off work because I'm kind of like a, I'm a weird person that I'm a night owl and mm-hmm. I'm also like a morning person I, I, I can't explain it either <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually typically like living in the hutongs it's mm-hmm. nice because like I I can get up and just kind of hang out in my courtyard in my mm-hmm. and then I can uh you know usually go to the grocery stores there's lots of places to buy produce like 
you know, just like 20 meters away if I want. Mm. Um, or I can even take a more leisurely walk to like another more like traditional grocery store that like people from the United States might be used to. That's like a 10 minute, uh, 10, 50 minute walk. Mm. Um, and then also like, you know, a lot of, uh, I'm really active in the community or I try to be at least. So uh, I, you know, I'm often doing comedy shows or I'm, I might be doing other creative things, different podcasts, uh, volunteer with Beijing Energy Network. So mm-hmm. if they need me, I'll often uh, lend my skills or expertise to, you know, help spread the cause of environmental protection in China. <laughs> very, very mm-hmm. timely mm-hmm. Uh, here in China. And also like a lot of uh, sampling music. I mean, like, uh, I live in Dongchang, which is a great area for live music, mm-hmm. lots of venues. So during the evenings, I'll be at Jianghu, uh, hearing some live jazz, or, you know, I might be at The Brick, which is another spot in Sanlitun, which is the, the main commercial district. Um, and also uh, running, uh, something I've started doing a lot, like in Chaoyang Park. It's a mm-hmm. very, Chaoyang Park uh, is like, the probably the biggest public park in Beijing and it's mm. like so ideal for like any kind of exercise you want to do and that's one thing I love about Beijing is there's so many green spaces uh, mm. well winter it becomes like you know spaces with lots of leafless trees but it's still beautiful yeah. mm-hmm. you can just kind of go and meditate uh, Beihai Park is another public park I go to not to run but to just kind of reflect on life and escape the hustle and bustle yeah, yeah, I I really liked Beihai Park for the um like there was like this lake that I think I remember, right? Yeah, Beihai Lake. Okay, okay. I'm like I went to several different parks there, but yeah, I thought I remember that one. Okay, all right. So then, you know, how do you deal with missing family and friends? I mean, especially during COVID, you know, where it's not easy to you know say travel to your your home country for for really anyone and then return back to here china um you know how do you deal with missing your family and friends communicating with them you know keeping in touch yeah it's definitely a struggle like i only intended to be in china for uh a year or two and mm. it's kind of uh, happened just by circumstance not just COVID necessarily, but just by like a lot of things. I have kind of, uh, you know, settled into Beijing and um, one toll on my life here uh, that like I can't deny is the fact that like, you know, I can't necessarily hang out with my dad and like, Mm -hmm. you know, watch old movies we often do or, you know, I can't like hang out with uh, like my, my close friends from college who you know, we always link up every month, even though we're in different cities back in America. I miss my sisters, my mom. I long for my niece, who I, whom I haven't even met yet. Mm-hmm. But aside from all of that, like, I also do miss American culture and, like, living at home from time to time. But uh, Zoom <laughs> is, like mm-hmm. a, is a big thing. I often have Zoom conferences with my college friends, with my, with my uh, close friends from school. And, like, we mm-hmm. always, like, talk about what we're doing in our new lives is like you know <laughs> our adulting strategy <laughs> i mainly zoom with my friends though i with my family mm-hmm. uh my my dad my mom and my sisters they all luckily have 
uh, WeChat. Mm-hmm. Unlike most of my friends, I, I, I encouraged him to download WeChat before I left. So we'd have a, a channel to communicate as quickly and cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, I often communicate with my folks on WeChat, like, you know, on holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving and, mm-hmm. you know, birthdays, mm-hmm. uh, special occasions. Although WeChat's kind of funny because, like, my, my dad rarely, for some reason, can see that I call. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll, I'll call him, like, several days in a row and he won't answer. And then I'll message him and then he'll call me. And I'm like, Kale, like, are you okay? You haven't called us. And I'm like, yeah, I called you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is on my mind, actually, about, you know, friendships. And you mentioned your friends back home. But then it occurred to me, you do so much to, you know, meet other expats here and make friendships here. And so, you know, then I'm really curious in the time that you've been here, how has that felt when, you know, those friends have left? I guess you add to the number of people that you need to communicate with, I guess, like we all do, but like, you know, what does that feel like when, when they leave, you know, go home, go to a different country, you know, like, how do you respond to that? Like, what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I've had a couple friends leave. My closest friend here, who I I met actually after you went to Shanghai, I believe, he uh, helped me get my job at CGTN, Tim mm-hmm. Biorek. He, he's a he's a good guy. He left China just a month ago, uh, okay. I guess. It, it's still weird. I, I guess, like, it, you know, it, it's hard to really say because, like, in China, you know, people, like, a lot of the expats that you meet, like, there's kind of an understanding that for most people, for... 95 percent of expats you meet in Beijing it's kind of a transient thing like mm-hmm. no one's really really settling yeah. unless they're like you know that one journalist at Patty's who's been here since like 1992 mm-hmm. um, or you know someone who has a family and they're working at a really nice high-end hospital mm-hmm. but um, for most people like a transient so I guess if you kind of expect people to leave and things like that but like when Tim left uh you know it 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 was different of course just because we spent so much time together and you know from hiking in Beijing to spending spring festival once together and stuff like that and uh with his friends and his um you know girlfriend and everyone we were kind of a core group and so when someone leaves for that gang it can be like a little bit of like a different vibe for sure and I've also had uh, other friends leave, uh, other close friends are really kind of going in droves, I would say, from Beijing. Like, my, I have another friend, Lettuce, so uh, we bonded as we're, we're both vegans, and so we kind of hung out a lot uh, and, you know, also explore our other mutual interests together. And she's she's really witty and wise and just funny, but unfortunately, we had to say goodbye last week, and she's on a plane tomorrow, so, like, that's always the thing you have to think about. But at the same time, Beijing is such a big city. Uh, there's like 20 million people here. It's really easy to meet people. Uh, it, it, it's weird. I, I said earlier that it's hard and easy to get engaged mm-hmm. with certain, you know, activities in the community. And I think the mm-hmm. same goes for meeting people. Because like, uh, it's about putting yourself out there and being mm-hmm. open 
And once you do that, you actually can really strike a chord with a lot of people. And it's like my my first few months in Beijing were kind of lonely, but especially after being settled here, like I really have like a community of people that I can like talk to you about like just like life advice, just hang out with. And I have to say too, it's probably not just expats, but you know, like you know, as one would hope when you move to a new country, the friends you meet should also be the you know, the folks of the nationality that you're living in. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of Chinese as well. And that's a very beautiful thing. Cause like, you know, we of course share a lot and enjoy all the things that friends do together. But at the same time, it's like a great way to immerse myself in Chinese culture and yeah. understand the nuance as well. Because like, you know, young Chinese folks are like really like the first of a generation <laughs> and like, a country that's like experiencing a lot of changes at once and so that's an interesting thing to see um and really connect with on a human level i'd say for whether it's like friends or colleagues or most of the people that i associate with like are very open and it extends to like the activities i'm involved with as well like as a journalist i kind of have to really be out and about right but Mm-hmm. even if it weren't for that like it's a pretty cool city to just like meet new people um yeah new friendships new relationships <laughs> Beijing's also a, a dating city is is one would expect all of that's here okay so then uh let me go back to when you got the job at CGTN so what was job hunting like and I'm sure that it was probably different you know, looking for a job while you're in China, as opposed to like, you know, when you were in America looking for a job, you know, in China. And then, you know, what, what are your thoughts on like job security? I mean, like as a journalist here? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I I will say upfront, getting a job in China uh, when you're already living here is totally easier than getting a job when you're abroad because mm-hmm. like uh you know you, all that stuff like all the hassles that I mentioned earlier like the police background check and the diploma authentication and uh you know going back and forth to your local Chinese consulate all that's like already you know done right mm-hmm. and then also Chinese companies are like really uh both Chinese companies, I guess, foreign companies too, although I haven't worked for a foreign company in China yet. Mm-hmm. But like companies here are, will really be like more enticed to get you on board if they like you. And they also know they don't have to pay for a flight over here or wait for you to do the visa process to come over here. Mm-hmm. So like that's like, a you know, one of the easier things about living in China. That said, <laughs> CGTN is kind of like a fortress. It's China's only broadcast news outlet so mm-hmm. it's a it's a very prestigious and difficult institution to kind of actually get into if you want mm-hmm. to have a career there and so I actually applied for CGTN once and didn't get in and mm-hmm. then I kind of was a bit disheartened from trying again and funny enough Tim who I mentioned before we started hanging out literally I think uh a month after I had applied but you know of course unsuccessfully Mm -hmm. and uh, after months of us hanging out we like we stick comedy together 
And we did a show one night where his coworkers came to see us, his CGTN coworkers. And they were like, oh yeah, Kill's cool. And uh, I, one of them, I got into his ear about like my views on journalism. And I was like, yeah, I actually applied to CGTN once. And he encouraged me to try again. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. And I took him up on it. And I eventually, you know, with the help of Tim and some of the people I bet that night, I, I ended up getting in. And so that was a very helpful kind of way that my creative interests actually helped my career interests, which mm-hmm. to be honest, I want to eventually merge. Mm-hmm. But like the job process was actually pretty straightforward. Like the, you know, HR onboarded me pretty smoothly. Um, I will say for job security, I'm different than other journalists because I work for a state-owned news agency. Mm-hmm. And so like working for a state-owned news agency in China means you have a level of safety that like you might not necessarily have if you work for another company that say doesn't have like the same ability to uh, have like the same funding, the same resources, mm-hmm. you know, like it's really hard year for journalism right like offices are closing like uh, i think the south china morning post wasn't even hiring during the first part of the COVID pandemic because a lot of budget cuts were going on in major newsrooms across the world but cgt is always you know well funded for one thing and of course it has like state clearance so it's it's pretty uh stable Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So do you feel like there is a difference in your quality of life living in China compared to America, like in terms of cost of living, you know, the amount of time that you might have available, peace of mind, safety, um, you know, opportunities for extracurricular activities. So, you know, like um, the the comedy club and and the various things that you mentioned, or do you feel that it's the same, that the same life you're living here, you would have been able to live just as well in America? Yeah, I I feel like living in China has afforded me opportunities I definitely wouldn't have had, especially during the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, comedy clubs in America haven't really been able to operate like in full capacity. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, that's something that like, Thanks to the COVID strategy here, you know, Beijing has actually had it pretty good during most of the pandemic. And so, like, to be honest, there was never really any restrictions in Beijing or there was no major ones. Like, they closed down the subway for, like, a brief amount of time in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, they had the, the local government encouraged offices to, like, only have a certain amount of staff and buildings, but, like, for the most part, aside from like mask mandates and stuff like that, there really wasn't like a lot of interference to like, you know, people's lives. And so it was like quite a free life, <laughs> an enjoyable life I, I had like during the COVID pandemic. And that was something I was very thankful for based on being in China. And, you know, to be honest, I feel like a lot safer here, even, you know, if we're not talking pathogens. It was like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like having the peace of mind to just go to a movie theater mm-hmm. <laughs> and not having to be worried about like you know oh is it going to be like uh shooting in this movie theater yeah. is it going to be like am I going to be able to leave the you know screening and get home safely and that's like a a, a major thing that like I, I really don't even think about I mean of, of course I don't want to say like China is a country that's free of you know sporadic cases of like violence because there are like 
homicides that happen, things like that. But it's just not the level of frequent, I think, especially gun-related death, which is like a very nice thing. And mm-hmm. also, for example, like, uh, you know, you, you, there, there are certain things that you can't get away with. Like, I remember a police officer was asking me questions during like the height of the Wuhan lockdown when I was in Beijing in March 2020. And he was asking me questions about where I was from and that like, I, I kind of, I should have been like a little bit more like civil or diplomatic, but I was just like, you know, hey, you like Mr. Officer, like, why are you bothering me while I'm like walking to the, to get my, you know, clothes press or whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember thinking, oh, if I like told off like a police officer of that, yeah, something like that, anywhere else, I probably probably wouldn't have ended the same way but he was very nice he was very humble and i was like oh i I apologize sir i know you're just you know asking questions for the for the community and Mm -hmm. we had like a little handshake well he gave me a cigarette which is kind of funny um (laughs) (laughs) but like I, i feel like you know for the most part life here is like pretty comparable to the united states like where I lived in America, I lived in Washington, D.C., which is kind of like one of the most expensive places in the United States. Mm-hmm. So Beijing, I'm not going to lie, very, very pricey city. Rent is a killer. <laughs> I'm paying like 6,800 RMB a month for mm-hmm. my current apartment. And, you know, that's like almost neck and neck with D.C. prices if you turn that into U.S. dollars. But mm-hmm. at, at the same time, like, you pay so much less here in things like public transit and public transit actually works well and it's well-funded. And you also pay less for like, you know, eating out groceries, Mm -hmm. you know, food, household supplies and healthcare even. So like, even though Beijing's a very expensive city and to be honest, even like eating out can get pretty expensive. Like it's it's something I kind of don't encourage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And this is a conversation that I had with, you know, a friend the other day and I was talking about like, you know, several things that like I've really enjoyed here and, and they're, they're usually always related to food, (laughs) but um, you know, one of them is like, you know, I can get like lots of different kinds of food delivered. Like, you know, I really like Indian food and I can get that delivered. Obviously delivery, you know, was available in the United States to me, but you know, it is cheaper here because, you know, the salary that I make compared to like the cost of living here, Um, you know, I get like cut up fruit and vegetables delivered and you know, I mean, I do live in in kind of a pricey place, but that's because I live like in a high rise downtown Shanghai. But I mean, I can I can definitely afford it without, you know, like feeling like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to like cut things and possibly not eat or something like that. Um, And, you know, like say like taxi, something else I was talking about with some Chinese people the other day, you know, I said, you know, I, I don't drive here. Obviously, I don't have a car here or anything like that. So, you know, uh, I do, if I need to get a, a car, it's, it's just a taxi, a, well, a Didi, that's what we call it. Um, that's one of the services and, and it's relatively inexpensive. So, you know, you can take the, the taxi quite frequently, um, you know, and it won't necessarily like, you know, break the bank. I mean, depending on your salary, you probably can't take it every single day, but yeah, there's things like that, that, you know, do allow for more comfort 
Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely. Sure. Like just the fact that like, you know, I can uh have the choice every day of like taking a DD, mm-hmm. uh taking a subway or cycling perhaps if the weather permits or you know, um, the bus or any of those choices. The fact that I can like, I don't have to, you know, think about my wallet when factoring how to get to work is a major, you know, like weight off one's shoulders. And it's like, that is a big reason, you know, I I have a lot of freedom, I think. Cause like, uh, to be honest, like freedom is having a kind of steady sense of choice. Um, And for a lot of people that's like, based on your income and like when you have such a good purchasing power Mm -hmm. uh as you uh as many people do in china like it's it it really makes like uh the city much more not just comfortable but much more fun um the city of beijing i mean of course shanghai is like that guangzhou is the same way probably more so (laughs) yeah 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 Okay, so, you know, um, you did mention um, that there's a similarity. So what similarities um, did you find between Beijing, because it is an international city, and and back home where you're from? Like that might have helped you feel more settled here, more at ease than, you know, say if you had, I don't know, gone somewhere else. Like what what similarities did you find? Yeah, well, I feel like every city you go to in the world um, you're going to find a lot of city life, right? You're going to find like very vibrant nightlife. You're going to find, you know, really open-minded people. Um, you're going to find a lot of cool things to do during the daytime as well. And living in New York, in Washington, D.C., back when I was in the United States, I feel that like Beijing has that energy of like there's always something going on. Um, like it's a very big city. So it's like, you know, I went to school in New York, so it's really what New York and the fact that it's like very populated. Um, and it's also like just kind of like huge, like you can live in one part of Beijing and feel pretty satisfied, but yet like not really have explored the city <laughs> in really any meaningful sense. And like, it's kind of daunting, but it's also kind of cool, right? And that's why I like about New York, that's why I like about Beijing. Um, also like I ha- have to say like Beijing is a place where, you know, again, like like any city in the world, like DC or New York, you find like a lot of open-minded people, right? You find like um people who are doing different types of advocacy work, people who like are into different like subcultures, like you know, be it punk rock or rock climbing or environmental focus kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. all of that's here. Mm-hmm. And uh you also like have, of course, like the comedy community. <laughs> so I did comedy in DC and I actually was able to really come into my own as a comedian mm-hmm. in Beijing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I'm curious, do you ever do comedy in Mandarin as well, or maybe just in English? And, you know, what things did you need to do to feel settled here? So you mentioned, you know, environmentalism, like I mean, how how did you find these communities that you were interested in? My comedy, I actually only do it English. I haven't had an opportunity to perform in Mandarin yet, mm-hmm. but I do want to 
get on stage and do like a type five in Chinese. Uh, that's actually one of my new year goals for, for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so many of my colleagues at CGTN are like, oh, you comedy is so cool. Do you do in Chinese? Uh, I always <laughs> <laughs> embarrassingly like, say no. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I'm working on a set. Generally, I got to say like, it's hard and easy to get involved in these kind of activities. Cause like, I feel like, even though Beijing is a city of lots of people, um, like New York, it's also, I guess, hard to find like a circle that's like you kind of sustainably can rely on for getting involved. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, like friend groups kind of shifts because like a lot of people go back to their home country. Like a lot of people go back to their home city. A lot of people move to Shanghai. One of the things about any big city is like it's it's not really they don't really lend themselves to conversation because everyone's kind of rushing to get to work and Mm. it's like a daily grind but Beijing is kind of like it's really egalitarian in the sense that like everyone kind of there's like a sense of equality among people it's easier to approach different people and when you go to one thing right someone will rope you in like I had journalism friends who wrote me into comedy right Mm. and then at comedy, I met someone else who did like environmental volunteering and he wrote me into Beijing Energy Network, which I volunteer for as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I'll see friends who like, I'll you'll go to a party and then they'll share an event and everyone just kind of has like a very, it's kind of like that very community feel that you might have had in like college. Mm-hmm. But like, of course, we're all like grown ups doing like, you know, real things. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's kind of the best of both worlds, Beijing, and that like, it's like that college kind of organic freedom of association mixed with people being able to just have an equal platform to share their their events and passions mm-hmm. mixed with the fact that we're all kind of old enough and mature to do these things wherever we want to. So it's quite easy once you, I guess, find your niche and you're kind of putting yourself out there. The great thing about Beijing too is it's also a city for introverts because you, you virtually never have to leave your apartment. Okay, okay. Well, you sound like an ambivert, an introvert and an extrovert. And okay, so we're going to go ahead and leave it there for today. Thank you so much, Kale, for taking the time to be interviewed by me. I really appreciate hearing all about, you know, Beijing. Um, it's a city that was my first city when I came to China. And, and I do miss several aspects of it, definitely. So it was nice to be able to hear some nice things again about Beijing. And so for our listeners, you know, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And, you know, if you did, uh, I hope you continue to return back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. And it also, if you enjoyed it, please make sure that you subscribe and write a great review at any of the places where you do find the podcast. And with that, I'm going to wish my listeners and Kale a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for having me on. So up next is Keisha. Keisha's from the UK and came to China to get her teaching experience. But what's been great about being in China is that she's been able to pay for a master's degree in full. So when she leaves China with her years of teaching experience, she'll have a master's degree and no debt to go along with it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.